the Four Horsemen. What you have here is the Four Horsemen, united, live, and exciting color. Um, not those Four Horsemen. These Four Horsemen discuss theology from different viewpoints, different perspectives, as we show people how to have discussions without turning into a keyboard warrior. Are you stupid? Now, here's Dennis Thurman, Adam Black, Benjamin Kerfman, and Derek McCarson, the Four Horsemen. Welcome to the next episode of the Four Horsemen podcast. I'm glad you're here. Glad you're listening. And um, my name's Adam Black. I'm here with Derek, Dennis, and Ben, your typical Four Horsemen. Um, we're all here, and tonight's conversation is going to kind of piggyback off of uh, the last two episodes that we've done on the fa- false gospels, and it, it really is something. pig, man. It's really something that God has been teaching me uh, over the last couple of weeks and something that I've really been diving into and really evaluating my own ministry, both from a church standpoint and uh, just as a follower of Jesus. But one of the, probably one of our main texts that we, we all go by, and it's kind of our mission and, and, and all that is in Matthew 28, where Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But this next part, for me personally, is a part that I guess I've kind of overlooked in a sense, but it kind of gives the description of what discipleship is. And it says, in teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so it's really about the idea of discipleship. You know, I, I wrote down that a disciple is someone who is increasingly being more obedient to what Jesus has taught and what Jesus has commanded. And we were just talking about in the previous episodes about the way that um, culture and the different gospels and the way people are uh, really trying to be their own individual, their own God, autonomous and, and all of these things. And so, which makes discipleship extremely difficult uh, in our times, which I'm sure discipleship has been difficult throughout all of history, but I think with what all is being bombarded on us today, uh, it becomes even more difficult. So really what I want to talk about today is, number one, is what does this look like? What does it look like uh, to teach people, uh, pragmatically, teach people the commands of Jesus? Um, what do you guys think that looks like? Just as an everyday Christian, any thoughts, ideas? I think it's it's a holistic approach in which your your aim is you've got to get the truth that teaching into their minds. You've got to engrave that word there so that their minds are renewed. But then in in their heart, uh, in the core of their being, their passions, their drives. There's got to be a real zeal that is fueled uh, for becoming like Jesus, a love and passion for Jesus that goes beyond just the, uh, you know, the, the intellectual, uh, more than doctrine on the page, uh, but the devotion of the heart. But then, and I think this may be where we really miss it, we've got to equip them that it moves from the head to the heart to their hands in what they do and the application of those things. And if it doesn't go there, 
They may feel good. They may know and can quote certain uh, doctrinal propositions, and that's good insofar as it goes, but until it migrates down to affect their daily life and the application of those things, a, a disciple is not being made. And so we've got to look at that as, as a whole approach so that when I try to disciple someone, there's going to be that truth element, okay? There's going to be uh, an equipping part of that based on that truth. There's going to be accountability. Uh, there's going to be the missional component that gets them out. And, of course, prayer and supplication underscore everything. So that's an acronym TEAMS, in case you're wondering out there, boys and girls. And uh, that's can not I original. With Yes, you can. It's not original with me, though. Uh, I got that from Randy Pope and Perimeter Church. But, but, it, but to me, that just kind of encapsulates what it means to uh, make a disciple. Well, Francis Chan kind of made it popular, and I've used it a ton. And we've all got kids in here. And those of you who are listening that have kids, you know what this is like. But Francis Chan made uh, a good observation one time that he, he told his uh, girl to go clean her room. And he, he told her to go and in, in clean her room. So the girl was off for about 20 minutes or so. And then she come back in and he said, you know, did you, did you clean your room? And she said, no, but I memorized what you said. You said to clean my room. Mm -hmm. And he, and she said, I even know what it means in the Greek and, and I know the de definitions, but the reality is that seems to be the way that discipleship looks today in the sense of that. It's more about teaching and hearing rather than obeying and, and doing. And, um, you know, the perspective that I've really been thinking on is, is I was able to coach basketball for six years. And I know some of you, Ben, besides Ben, Ben coached, uh, what did you coach, Ben? Chess. Chess and barista -ing. Is that the right word? Uh, Starbucks. Um, <laughs> but one of the things about coaching that I've thought a lot about is – Beverage crafting. Be <laughs> yeah, beverage artist. Um, <laughs> one of the things I've been thinking right. about in the, the, in the, the, the whole poor. coaching approach – is that you know you'll the, the team will play a game you'll watch the tape and then you go the next week and practice and 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 try to better what your weaknesses were and better your strengths and so so forth and so on but i personally i don't see that happening in my own discipleship manner and 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 i guess my question is does does the church look that way or is the church more set up to from a teaching and hearing standpoint as opposed to uh, an obeying and doing standpoint from a church setup? Because if you think about it, we sit in service, which is more of a teaching mm -hmm. and a hearing. Sunday school or life groups or whatever you want to call it, uh, I think is getting a little bit better. But even that has a teacher and it's 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 a it's a transfer of information. Um, and then you might have something else, but it's all basically teaching and hearing. And we know that, you know, uh, salvation comes through hearing the word of God, which is true. But the, the application, the accountability side of things, how, how well do we do as churches with that in particular? Are we supposed to? Absolutely. I would think so. As an institution? I think so. And here, here's why. And, I, and this is, for example, church discipline, right? Church discipline is is what? is is a, Accountability. Someone, someone is not obeying a command of Jesus, right? Someone has gone to them and said, hey, this is an area in your life that you need to, to work on. It, it is that accountability piece. Um, 
that that's you know, and it, in in Timothy where he talks about it's for reproof and rebuke, uh, and so there definitely is an accountability piece to it. Um, but I feel like the church we we give the information out and hope it sticks, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I, what I'm saying though is I don't think there's an institutional solution to the problem of discipleship. So like, um you can educate, which is what you're saying. Like you can educate in an institutional setting, right? You can educate through a sermon. You can educate through a Sunday school class. You can educate through a small group. Um, you can, as a church, as like a corporate body, you can practice certain things like church discipline, like worship, like um, prayer, corporate prayer, things like that. There are certain commands of scripture, but what you're saying is, is what about those personal commands for the personal believer in their own discipleship, in their own walk with Christ, how do we as an institution help that person? And I don't, I don't think that we can. I, I think that's what the problem is, is that we've, everybody's trying to figure out what is that program that you can do that will help that person's personal walk. But I think at the end of that, at the end of the day, it's an organic process. I think it's, it's a lot dirtier and more one-on-one than, uh, than any way that we can kind of, I mean, I think we can do some things to maybe help organize that, but I think a lot of it is just very, um, just very organic and and but, kind but of the natural. Church, being the church is organic. We're an organism. I think now your 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 problem may be with those who think of the church as an organization, as an institution. I think you use that term. That's not really what the church is supposed to be. There there are limits to what can be done in that large setting, uh, in that group setting. But I think we can equip. We can resource, we can model, uh, we can connect, we can have that that dialogue that helps people. And so, uh, you know, to me, I think that's very, very important. And and here's the way I look at it. You have Jesus preaching to the masses, right? He did do that. Mm -hmm. But then he had 12 that he gathered in a smaller group setting. But even among those, he had three that he really poured into. And I think a lot of our problem, I think this may be some of what you're getting at, is that we think just because we disseminate information to a big group of folks and we get more and more of those same folks coming, you know, a mile wide and an inch deep, we think we've been successful. And it's hard, dirty work, I think, roll up your sleeves kind of work, to pour into a few people and it take, it's tedious and it takes a long time. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I think that's what discipleship is all about. So, yeah. so, but, but I think, I think if you look at like, so look at the example of Jesus, right? So rabbinical teaching was very much kind of an as you're going type lifestyle of like when Jesus has come follow me, like that was a literal thing. Like stop what you're doing and I'm going for a walk. You're going for a walk. And as we're walking, we're going to see things. We're going to talk about things. We're going to experience things. It was very much, you know, the, the term that would be used today is life on life, which is like totally played out. But that it's true, okay? I think about um, the widow's might, right? The widow's might was this moment. It was this discipleship moment where they are together. They're, they're living their lives together. They're following Jesus. And this situation happens, and Jesus, as the rabbi, takes advantage of this situation to create a moment where he he's taking doctrine, right, and, and he's teaching it, but he's teaching in the context of life. And so he's saying, all right, do you see this situation here? Here's what Here's something spiritual that you need to understand that's happening in this physical moment. And so he's constantly making those applications between this physical and the spiritual. Or, hey, you need food? Let, let's talk about food. 
Okay, this is this is a physical thing. Let's talk about something spiritual. And so rabbinical teaching in general was this very like very organic, not extremely organized, not uh, really even prepared where he's taking doctrine, he's taking something spiritual and he's applying it in the context of life. I think it's really hard for us to do that as as a as a structure or a program. I think that sometimes we can help create those moments. Right. Like for instance, like evangelism, right? So somebody the Bible commands us to share the gospel. Everyone needs to have a, a lifestyle of personal evangelism. We would all agree on that. Um if you don't, you're probably not a Christian. So uh we would agree with that. But then so then the the magic bullet that everybody's looking for, well, how can I teach the people in my church how to share the gospel? I need I need Okay, we're going to do an evangelism class, or we're going to use evangelism explosion, or four spiritual laws, and none, none of those things are wrong in and of themselves. But what they do the class, and three people show up, right? Or a hundred people show up, but then they never go out and do anything about it. And so the, this every every pastor is like, okay, what's that thing that's going to make this happen? I think at the end of the day, you might create moments where you say, hey, we're going to go out go to her this weekend. But what's going to happen is, is they're going to have to have a rabbi in their life of somebody that's discipling yeah, you gotta them. Take them with you. That is mm-hmm. that is taking advantage of those moments, and the only way that really happens is for Christians to live together. Right. And and in the context of living together, they need somebody that knows how to take that doctrine and, and apply it in the context of life. But but how's that how's that going to happen if you don't have these connections? I mean. You're not going to be able to witness to an old boy, share the gospel, if you don't have some kind of connection, if you don't get out there where they are. So how can you develop a disciple if you're not around them? And and obviously, you can't be like Jesus in that sense. Most of us, you can't just be out 24-7 walking around living with the people in your church. That's that's not going to happen. Uh, but, I, but I do agree that there's got to be that involvement that goes beyond a Sunday morning meeting. Well, but Jesus did not abandon the teaching in the synagogue and the temple. Right, and I'm not advocating for that, but I'm saying when it comes to that personal discipleship and growth, that's not that's not just uh, you know the term they would use is it's called not taught you know which I don't think is really I think that's too much of a generalization, but but it's the idea of um, we a lot of people know a lot of information about what Scripture teaches. Right. But the question is, is at, at the end of the day, there's going to have to be an individual in their life yeah. that is a believer Modeling. that that's not like I'm paying you to be spiritual. I'm paying you to disciple me. But somebody who's actually spiritually mature that's saying, I know that I need to spend time with this person and I'm making that person part of my life. And I think we have all kinds of cultural barriers to that. Like, mm-hmm. for instance, when we've talked before, like commuting, right? People, people in church can't do anything with each other because they all live 20 or 30 minutes away from each other. Back in the day. If you had one Baptist church in town and everybody saw each other at the grocery store and everybody saw each other at the game and at the high school and at everywhere else, True. it's a whole lot easier to have those moments. Whereas now it's like you got people watching church at home in their living room. How are they ever going to get decided? See, that's and just to put this in context of my own life, you know, a frustration that I've had, you know, and I know that now it's kind of Satan working on me over the last two or three months. We kind of hit a lull in attendance, like we. You know, and we we had a couple of people that were coming, and then they just stopped coming. And, and and you know, they gave you gave me the yeah, I'll be there, and they weren't there. So I really got frustrated, and I really began to you know, how can we get more people? How can we get more people? And and I really began to think about the way our church was structured. And I'm thinking, man, if we did this, but man, then all of a sudden, I, I, that verse struck in my head. And I'm like, man, this is about 
discipleship. This is about making disciples. And the goal isn't the crowds because like Dennis said, and this has kind of been the, the model, you know, Jesus did have the thousands, the 12 and the three, but for whatever reason in my own heart, and I have a feeling that a lot of pastors feel that way is we care so much about the thousands. Mm -hmm. We care so much about the thousands that we don't care about the three. And so one of the things that I'm really trying to implement in our church is, is getting to the three. And what I've learned is, and, and I'm not saying, you know, and I'm sure this is the way in most churches, you know, depending on how your church is structured, relationships, as you both have talked about, is the catalyst for this, right? Like these these relationships with people. It, it, the problem is, is that relationally, it's very surface levels at churches because you've got this crowd, because you you don't have this, you know, it's all about, again, service level, you know, Um and so what I'm trying to do at our church is really trying to find ways to connect people, really try to find ways to go beyond, you know, just that service level relationship, which is difficult, especially based upon what we were just talking about before. You know, don't judge me. You're, we're in this don't judge me culture. We're in this I am my own God. I'm chasing my own spirituality. I want to do what I want to do. And so we're fighting that battle as well. But for example, I encouraged we split up in groups kind of similar ages and, and I've challenged them to go eat dinner with that group of people. There are four or five of them outside the church walls. And, um, you know, one of the things that uh, I've, I've kind of encouraged them to do and it's helping them dig into scripture as well. But the question I've asked them is what is a command of Jesus or a teaching of Jesus that you have trouble obeying? Um, and it's interesting having those conversations with people because a lot of people will say, well, I have anger issues. Well, what did what did Jesus say about the anger issues? They don't know usually. Or so there I, is a knowledge component. I mean, you got to give them the truth. Absolutely, right. yeah. Yeah. absolutely. So, so I'm in my own mind. I'm trying to think from a church standpoint. Although, yes, we do need to have the synagogue, quote unquote. We do need to have the thousands component. But I'm trying to think for ourselves from a structural standpoint. And I know you you say it's got to be organic, but how can we organically put people in positions and i think you you have a men's group don't you that mm -hmm. you meet i do with a, a small group of guys on yeah, a on and i've a, tried to do that for you know a significant period of time and like to share faith i've i have for a long time taken somebody with me to go out and and dem try to demonstrate a gospel presentation so uh you know to me i was sold the metric as a young pastor that the mark of your success will be how many bottoms you put in the benches and how many bucks are in your budget. <laughs> and and I and it's a confession of sin that I bought into that. But it's hard not to. Sure. Why? It, it right. feeds your ego right. and it's what other people expect of you. And this is this is the success syndrome. So I wanted to have a McChurch franchise. Okay. <laughs> and 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 so because the other I, I knew I heard, I said, yeah, amen, we ought to really focus on making a few disciples and pour into them, but there's no there's no glamour to that. So it took me a long time in ministry, what I hope you guys are learning early on, that that's what you've, that's what you've got to do. You've got to, uh, got to do that. That's the Jesus way. And eventually you get more bottoms in the benches and bucks in the budget because you have invested in people, and, and in time, they then begin to invest in people, and it becomes an exponential, becomes multiplication instead of addition. 
And, uh, and so, you know, uh, it's all about the kingdom, about God, the glory of God, but it's hard sometimes for a young pastor to buy into that when he sees the big celebrity he's put out at the seminar who's on the preaching platform at the conferences and all that sort of thing. I think one thing with discipleship, and, and this has kind of already been touched on, is you have to be selective. And you have to go with somebody that you know that is going to be along for the ride for a year, two years, and somebody that you can pour into. Um, naturally, I think that um, you can really only do that with two or three. Yeah. And that's a, that's a long-term thing. That's, that's a Jesus model. That's a big. That's a big commitment. Uh, not only for you as the discipler, but also for the other person that you are discipling. And there is, um, you know, there's also an evangelism component to it in that naturally, if you lead somebody to the the Lord, you are the, naturally you would be the person who would disciple them. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe one reason that we aren't seeing good discipleship in our churches is because we aren't doing evangelism. People aren't leading other people to the Lord and then discipling them either because uh, they don't know how to share the gospel or they're just not sharing the gospel and then and then there's that commitment that comes along with it, the second step of, of the discipleship. But um, I know that I was discipled. And because I was discipled, it was a valuable experience to me. And I saw the benefit of it, and it, it, it helped me blossom and grow. And because I was discipled, it in turn makes me want to turn around and do that for somebody else. Yeah. So um, I think that... When I think about uh, discipleship, it's it's definitely it's it's an intentional thing, just like evangelism is an intentional thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to make it a part of your life to share Christ, and you have to also go out and make it a, an important part of your ministry to the church. And that me as an as an older guy, getting older, I can look out and say, "Hey, there's a guy that's 21. He's not married yet. Um, he's just starting out." And I'm 15 years down the road from where he is, and I can help that guy. Yeah. And you as a man, as a leader, going along to that young guy and say, hey, I want you to, will you meet with me for breakfast? And then, you know, hey, let's go fishing. And then, uh, you know, I want you to help me to do this at my house, and I'll, I'll pay you. And that's, I think that's how you begin the organic process of discipleship. It's, um, it's men, older men preferably, looking to younger men, or uh, somebody that they've led to the Lord and saying, "Hey, I'm investing in your life." And well, and that's and that's Titus that too, right? Yeah, you know, the, the older men are instructing the, the younger men, the older women are instructing the younger women, and and part of part of why that happens, which is a whole different episode, is age segregation in the church works against that because the older people don't even know any of the children in their own church, and the children have no idea who the old people are, right? So they don't. Want, so what you what you're pointing out, Adam, is the true discipleship happens in the context of relationships. And the problem in the American church too, is that the disi- the, the discipler of every church member is the pastor. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's just not realistic. It's not biblical. It's not helpful. Like you said, even Jesus himself did not intimately disciple even his own 12 disciples. I mean, he's a, he's the perfect son of God and he still had different levels of intimacy because even within the three, his relationship with John was special, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he was, he was the God man. And so how is your pastor 
going to personally disciple you and even in a small church with, fit, with 50 people and well yeah and <laughs> but even in a small church with say 25 50 people that's a lot of people if you're going to personally be involved in their lives enough for those moments to happen because i really do think i think growth in christ in a lot of ways happens in moments right. where it's being taken advantage of again to apply that doctrine in the in the context of life and the fact is 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 uh, well, if you're listening to this, your pastor needs to be doing that with his kids and his wife more than he does with you. That's good. And if he's got kids, and I've thought about this more and more, and again, it's a whole different subject of why the scripture seems to indicate that it's older men that are pastors. And one of the questions I have for myself as a young pastor is how much of the challenges that I'm dealing with are because of my youth um, in, in the pastorate? Because I, I do think in some ways it can be an obstacle, but Aside from that, I think even though, of course, Paul told Timothy, "Let no man despise your youth." That's so true. You can be young and pastor. That's but. true, but but what I'm saying is, is there? I think there are some obstacles there. I think it, there. I think there's challenges that young men have, and, and I'm sure exactly, and I'm sure it goes both ways. You know, um, but like my creaking bones. But that's one of the things I have to wrestle with, right? Is I feel like I have to have a deep. Uh, intimate spiritual relationship with every church member right. because that's the social expectation. And the fact is, is I have a hard enough time doing that with my own family, let alone a bunch of people yeah. at church. Whereas in an, in an organic setting, it's like uh, the old man that pays the the 12-year-old kid to come mow his lawn and then they sit on the porch and talk for 15 minutes might be doing a whole lot more for the gospel in that child's life than even your sermons on Sunday morning. Right. Not to say that you shouldn't have the sermons, right. but but when it comes to, to real growth in Christ, it's, it takes time and relationships, and it, there's no quick, you know, take this yeah, six-week no, class no. and you're going to be there. Yeah. One of the big things that I, with our, you know, that I'm seeing is, man, people have got to put down the facade, the church facade, that everything's good, that I'm good, that mm-hmm. I, everything's mm-hmm. good, that... That and 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 really and we promote that sometimes. We absolutely by the do. stories we tell, all our mm-hmm. success stories, and how wonderful yep. we are. You know, and, and 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 so there's not any deep relationships, and people are afraid. Again, we're in that don't judge me culture. I don't want people to know what my problems are, and so so if you're listening here, you you might not be a you know a, a church leader. Um, if you are a Christian, you are a disciple maker. So. Mm-hmm. If you're not being discipled by somebody, find somebody, uh, somebody that you're in close relationship that is a strong follower of Christ. And, um, you know, if you're a church leader, think through this. Think through, you know, one of the things I've been thinking about is who's my three? You know, outside of my wife and my kids, who's my three within our church? And and I'm going to try to pick, you know, three, maybe four to pour into over the next couple of months, be very intentional about it and, and, uh, and, and, and if you're young like me and, and you're frustrated because I, I saw some people posting about it, you know, think about it. It's not about the thousands. It's about the three because you're only going to get a handful of the thousands. Um, but the three is where. Well, it's the like real I, thing I've got a guy right now. And he, I'm pretty sure he listens to the podcast. He's a young guy, basically a newlywed. Um, and a few years ago, you know, we kind of targeted him in the church of like, you know, we think this guy's got some ministry potential here. And so I told him, I said, I want you to do an internship with me. I want you to show up at church every Monday and basically just come with me and do whatever I'm doing and we'll talk and whatever. And so it wasn't this real structured thing, but it was like, all right, we're going to listen to some preaching and we're going to talk about it and we're going to go visit this person or we're going to see this thing or we're going to have this conversation. It was very much just kind of a natural, just spending time together. 
And after a year of doing this, it became clear, like, you know what? Uh, he's not called to preach. Like, that's not his gift. But, man, he, he really loves serving the Lord. And uh, he's very much uh, can see that something needs to be done and just goes and does it. And so in talking about it with our elders, we're like, you know, you know what? This guy's really good deacon material. I mean, he may not he may not want to be a preacher, but man, he he might make an awesome deacon, even though he's really young. And so, you know, we prayed about it, and and the church ended up uh, uh, setting him apart as a deacon. And I mean, he is just fantastic for a younger guy. I mean, he helps me so much. He does so much stuff in the church. But a lot of that was just spending time together, right. of just getting to know each other and getting to know him and getting to know his gifts and say, you know, this he's he, this is something he's not great at doing at, but he's really good at doing this over here. I would just never know that if I didn't spend time with right. him, you know. And so a lot of it is 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 we're all so busy, yep. we don't even have time with our families, let alone anybody else. And it's like you look at how much co- happens in the context of hospitality between discipleship and evangelism, and as Americans, like our our front doors are shut. You know, we go home at night and we put the kids in bed as fast as possible. And, you know, we watch Game of Thrones. And that, I mean, and that's that's America, you know. Me yeah. neither. We're too, spir- neither. We're too spiritual to do that. But, but you know, that's. But that's. But that's a good one. But that's but that's just that's the mentality. Right. And so it's like, you know, if you're doing that, you're not even going to disciple your own family, let alone anybody else. So what you've got to do is is you got to shut the TV off. You got to clear your schedule and say, I'm just going to have a conversation with somebody this week for 30 minutes, even if I have to. Even if you've got to schedule that, if you don't do it, it'll never happen. Yep. You got to be intentional. Yeah, discipleship in the home is is huge. Uh, you know, that's where we've got to focus on those men yeah. that are going to equip their children, their their families, and uh, because they've got them those kids so much longer, so much more opportunity than what we ever have. So we've got to focus on that, and we're trying to have a real focus on family uh, discipleship. And uh, but the American that rugged individualism that's that's in our culture which is the shut the door, barricade yourself, uh, the lack of transparency. Like I mentioned Sunday morning in a message about pornography and how devastating that can be. You talked about pornography in the pulpit? I did, because in the Greek it's pornea, and so how you explain it. So I guarantee you, though, there were guys back there that are dealing with that. Did any come and confess it? Nope, area one. They're not going to do it. And, and even at, and even afterwards, it, it, much less a public time. You know, come and talk to me. Didn't heard from a soul, uh, and and so people just don't want to let the barriers down and deal with the stuff of life. Yeah. But we're called as disciples to be obedient. I'm a strong, independent Christian. Don't need no church. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, oh All my single ladies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But anyway, so, uh, you know, find who your three are. Find some, in if you're a parent, if you're a spouse, start in the home. You know, start praying with each other. Ask, you know, I, I think that was a good question. I, I heard, you know, what's an area, uh, what's a teaching or a command of Jesus that, that I struggle in obeying? And um, that's a good conversation starter. And yeah, so, if, if you can't answer that, you're either lying yeah. or or you're just really, you're, you're hiding, hiding. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and even and then, like I said, even when people say, "Well, anger," well, if you're the discipler, there's you some opportunity to show in Scripture mm-hmm. what the Bible talks about anger. So, yeah, Jesus has some disciples that has some anger issues oh, too. So absolutely. he knows he knows how to handle that. Absolutely. So anyway, he ain't so, chopping nobody's ears off. Yeah. 
that that brings me anyway. Um, <laughs> so that's for this episode. I hope that you are being intentional about your discipleship, and you know that you're finding your three and and hey, invite two or three people out for supper one night and just talk. You know, um, but anyway. Have a good one. See you. You can continue the conversation online by visiting us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the number four horsemen. Don't forget to tell your friends and enemies about the podcast and be sure to subscribe and review. They look at me funny when I talk like I got a speech impediment. Homie, check my passport. Heaven, I'm a resident. Like a conscious rapper, but do more than master president. I see brothers coughing, so I hit them with the medicine. On the other side, they say their grass is greener. Seen the forecast, man, they Calling for Katrina.